just to make sure I have it down right, um, what is your name and how do you spell it? Uh, Randy Cook Jr., R-A-N-D-Y-C-O-O-K. All right, and in the paper, we usually use last names. Would you like to be Cook or Cook Jr.? Oh, Cook. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Sure. Um, yeah, that's not... Well, I think people will know. Yeah. Um, what is your educational background? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, I went um, to uh, SIUE. For, uh, I have a BS in civil engineering. There you go. Okay. Um, what is your current occupation? Uh, civil engineer. Describe your family, and do you have kids that are, were, or will be students in this district? Um, big extended family, but my immediate family is uh, my wife and I and, and two children, um, mm -hmm. the oldest of which started kindergarten this year, and the youngest will start uh, pre-K in the fall. Nice. Um, why are you running for Francis Howell Board of Education? Uh, the big reason is, is, um, is the academics, the, the curriculum, the things uh, the kids are there to do to, to learn. So I've noticed um, before this, this latest round of academic scores, if you will, through the state uh, that, that showed what happened during the COVID years. Uh, but even prior to that, I'd noticed a little bit of a decrease, if you want to call it, you know, it's a decrease in, in some of our, uh, our performance scores. So I, that, that kind of stuff concerns me. It's, it's trends that aren't necessarily alarming just yet, but the type of thing that, that I notice and, and being a parent of such a young child, I want to make sure that those type of things don't continue, uh, both for my own children, obviously, but for the whole district. So, um, mm -hmm. so those are the kind of, you know, that, that's really where my focus is at. There's, um, everything else is ancillary to that, right? So, you know, you need, obviously you need good teachers, you need good, you know, uh, financial uh, stewardship to, to make sure all these things stay in line. But all of that is, is for the end goal of, of educating our kids to the best possible way we can for the for the money we have so mm -hmm. what are your priorities if you get elected um well again the big thing is to find out why uh, academics are trending the way they are mm -hmm. uh, that, that's really it i mean there's uh, everything else is i think everything kind of ties back to that but um you know for instance uh, francis Howell north is that, is that where you're at are you in north or central i'm at north yes okay um well the uh just between 2019 and 2021 the francis Howell north uh, map scores are you familiar with the map test the, mm -hmm. yes probably uh, yeah um, you know, between 19 and 21 in Francis Howell North, there was a decrease of, of about six, almost 17% uh, in, in test scores. That, that is 
of the number of students who are who, who score proficient or advanced on that on that test in the English language arts portion of it, and the math is similar. Um, so we had a large drop in Francis Hall North, uh, and of course we have drops all over the state and district wide, right? Mm -hmm. And that was uh, the district as a whole is still above the state, and that was um, to use. Dr. Buckman's words, uh, that, that was something to be celebrated. Um, so despite our, despite the fact that we, we did worse, we, we didn't do as bad as the rest of the state. Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, I agree to, to a certain extent, the district as a whole um, fared pretty well through the COVID years. Um, but then I, I look at, when you drill down to building specific data is where I, um, you know, is what I started to do. And so there again, you have FHN that, that dropped about 17 percent but then you have a school like francis house central that had a, a delta of about 1.6 percent so whereas the the francis Island north students took a you know whatever happened there i don't know that I, I don't know the number of people that were in person and, mm -hmm. and remote that, that probably has a lot to do with it but i just don't have that data yet so you know francis Island north took a huge hit whereas francis Island central there's really not much difference between 2019 and 21, which is to say that COVID didn't really have much impact on Francis L. Central. Mm -hmm. So those are the type of the, that I look at and I notice, and then, uh, you know, if, if I were to be on the board, those that's the type of questions I would ask for the administration is, okay, well, why, what did we do right at Francis L. Central that we could mimic at, at other schools in the future? And it's like that if you look at middle schools or, in, or, or um, elementary schools, there's similar trends. Some did really well, um, you know, through the COVID, the last two years of COVID, and others had um, had not, didn't do so well. So, um, so those are the type of things that I think if we can figure out what, you know, what the schools, which schools did it right, and um, talk to those principals, talk to the, you know, is it a matter of the teachers? Is it merely a matter of the number of in-person versus uh, remote? My guess is it's a combination of everything. Mm -hmm. things that, that I look at and I say okay there's room for um, there's room for improvement here we have some good we have some schools that did really well so let's learn from those and, and we can improve the whole district improve our all of our standings so yeah uh what suggestions do you have for improving the district <laughs> well uh look at the schools that are improving in their academics and that's where I think you'll find the, the answers there. I don't necessarily have the exact answers on why, on what those schools are doing right. Um, that's one of the great things about being on the board if I were to be elected is, is I can point out trends and then ask for explanations of why. But, um, and then, you know, we evaluate those as, um, as a group or as administration and a board and, and make those decisions. But, so, so certainly, as far as the academics go, you want to, to you know, learn from the schools that are that are doing well, um, and then the schools that aren't doing so well can can heed, heed the constructive criticism that um, you know that, that may come their way. But otherwise, um, you know, as far as financials go, there's um, there's always room for for improvement there. Um, for instance, just this. Just this morning, I've noticed on, on the board agenda this week, you know, we've got two line items that total about almost 24 grand um, that, in my view, are, are unnecessary. It's, it's item number one and I think 16, 
but the, you know, the district wants to spend 10 grand on some interview software for candidates um, so they can submit videos mm. and, and another almost 13,000 on some social emotional learning, character building, third party lesson plans. Um, so I look at that kind of stuff and I say, well, surely an interview candidate can submit a video we don't have to spend 10 grand on the software for that. They can use their phone or a camera. We can do a Zoom meeting, which the district already pays for. You know, th those type of things just, just drive me nuts. And um, as for the, you know, the third-party curriculum stuff, we buy a lot of that stuff. And um, my question to the administration on stuff like that would be, don't we have content leaders, teachers, principals that are responsible for writing these type of things? So... If we can save 24 grand right there, that's a good way, if not all the way, towards hiring another recess para for the elementary schools, which, which the elementary school teachers have, have been screaming about, you know, saying they need more recess para professionals. And, um, you know, these, these, that, that's a recess para professional salary or, or pretty darn close to it right there in one meeting. So, mm -hmm. so those are the type of little things that I think, as far as the finances go, are. Maybe it takes a little more scrutiny um, to, to, to look at every one of these little line items and ask questions about them. You know, was this initially budgeted when you developed your budget as a department for the year? Uh, if not, why, why is it, why do you feel you need it now? Uh, you know, those, those type of questions. So not an adversarial way, but just to learn and, and uh, make sure everybody knows that if we spend a dollar here, it's one less dollar we can spend on it another staff member or somebody to you know to help students so is that truly the best use of the dollar or is it just uh, or not so. mm -hmm. what do you see as the biggest issue facing our district today um division i guess um there's no shortage of, um, I don't, don't know if name calling is the right word, but accusation thrown around between a, a relatively small group of concerned citizens, I'll, I'll readily admit, but, um, and, and perhaps I'm more, I'm more aware of it just because of the, um, the role I'm running for. I see it more, but uh, I do think that, um, you know, the, the politicization, politicization of the uh, of the school board and the school district has been going on for a number of years now and, and I think that's uh, that's caused a lot of the division a lot of the problems that we have now so. mm -hmm. how do you feel about the way the district has dealt with the increase in budget for the new North High building Poorly. Uh, the, the increase in North, um, typically the question I get is, would you have voted for it? And, um, you know, my answer is I, I, I would have, I, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I like to think with my background, I would have been asking these kind of questions, you know, questions about this and certainly about the, the contracting method um, long before we ever got to that point. So, no, I don't think it was handled well. I think that it's going to be a, 
approves on the district for several years to come. And it's, it's just, it's that much harder to, to do anything the district wants to do as far as future bond issues or tax increases or what have you down the road, anything financially, this is going to be, people are going to bring this up, um, rightly or wrongly for years to come. Mm -hmm. Some teachers have been leaving the district after everything that has happened in the past few years. What would you do to keep teachers in our, in the district? Well, as far as money goes, I I would, I'm a, I'm a proponent of giving teachers their, their step in, basically their yearly raises, right? Uh, That's something that we've, as a district have agreed to. Um, It's a a 2% step every year in in, in salary increase, which is a, uh, which is a reasonable, more than reasonable uh, ask of the teachers in my view. So those type of things are well known by the district, by the administration. Um, so the fact that we can't budget for those is, uh, I think, is a, a big part of it. Uh, I don't think a teacher is necessarily going to leave over a two percent salary raise, but uh, but if that's compounded over years and years, and just the principle that uh, the district is not honoring their commitments is a is a concern. So that's certainly one thing I would support, and, and one of the big reasons that. I think the budget needs to be re-looked at from scratch. But as the, uh, as far as non-money money things or non-salary related issues of teachers, um, the teachers did a thought exchange, oh, a month or two ago now, and they identified a number of reasons that they're unhappy as as a as a group in Francis Hall. Uh, salary was certainly one of what was the was the biggest, but. Beyond that, there were other things that are doable. Um, I think I mentioned the one about uh, at the elementary level needing recess paraprofessionals so that the teachers don't have to spend their time, um, you know, on the playground basically, which is not the best use of a teacher's time. Mm-hmm. Um, other things in- include, um, oh gosh, real simple things like being able to wear jeans to work. Um, I think is a an easy thing to make make the work-life balance a little better for teachers. Um, there was another complaint about teachers uh, collecting an unusually uh, a lot of data on the students, whereas they, they'd rather just be doing lesson plans and teaching as opposed to doing these other, uh, other things that, that aren't in a teacher's job description, let's face it. So, so those types of little things, that, that, those were the biggest ones. There were others. Um, I don't have them off the top of my head here, but, um, you know, those type of things, I think we listen to the teachers, the, the thought exchange is a great tool for that kind of thing. Um, you know, we listen to, listen to them. We look at, at, uh, exit interview results if we have any and, uh, and, and listen to what they're telling us about why they're leaving. So. Mm-hmm. What role should schools play in teaching kids about things like cyber safety, sex ed, mental health, and the LGBTQ community? Okay, cyber safety. Um, that one, I think, is is somewhat defined by the state. Uh, there's state statute about um, you know being safe online, if I if I remember correctly. 
sex education is much the same way uh, as far as the health class goes. There's certain criteria that's uh, given that it's such a sensitive subject. I think that just following the state statute there is what's appropriate and, and what keeps us out of legal trouble. Um, what was the other ones you said? Mental health and LGBTQ. Mental health, okay. Uh, mental health as far as, um, you know, general, I guess I'll say social, emotional well-being. Um, I think that's largely not the school's role. I think it's good to, for the schools, especially in the, in the elementary and, and, uh, and less so in the middle school, but to, to teach virtue, to teach character, to teach, you know, the, the basic tenets of a civil society. Um, but beyond that, uh, I would stop there at, at you know, at teaching those things, and I would stop short of collecting data or asking kids to, um, you know, to report about, you know, their own social emotional well being, unless they, you know, if they certainly, have, if they want to talk about those things, I think it's appropriate to make, make it well known that counselors are available and, and that sort of thing. But as far as talking about it in a group, I don't know that that's appropriate or, or respects the privacy of all the students, uh, more importantly. So uh, as far as the LGBTQ plus issues, um, I think that that's in, in a similar vein, I think it's appropriate to, um, you know, at, at some point during their, their school years to probably in health class, I guess, uh, I, I don't necessarily know where, but to make it known that there's you know, people that aren't necessarily attracted to one sex or the other or, or uh, you know, live, uh, live out their lives differently than the, the majority of people have in the past. And that uh, that's okay. That's a personal choice. Um, but there again, I think that's kind of where that should stop. And we don't need to be surveying students about their, their needs or preferences or anything like that. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the debate about critical race theory and book banning in schools? Oh, critical race theory. It's, uh, uh, well, regarding the debate, I think that the debate is, uh, um, the debate is a mess. We have people that are debating this issue that I don't think fully understand what it is. CRT is most commonly conflated with um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or conflated uh, in Francis Howell with with teaching black history or black literature. Um, and I think that's um, uh, <clears throat> that's where the debate flies off the rails, in my view. Uh, CRT has very little, if anything, to do with, with diversity, equity, inclusion, and it has very little to do with teaching black history, the two totally different subjects. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, that, that's, that, that's my status of the debate, or, or my assessment of the debate of it. I think it's, it's been unproductive. So I think the district has failed to acknowledge that they use the tenets of critical race theory, um, despite by pointing that out to them and several others, and even just recently one of my opponents, um, acknowledging that, that uh, 
black history and black literature class both use the tenets of critical race theory uh, in the curriculum. So there's, you know, there's agreement on, on uh, many parties that don't normally agree, <laughs> put it that way, uh, that, mm-hmm. that it is being used in Francis Howe. And I, I say critical race is being used as a, as a teaching tool. I, I, I do not say it's being taught. That's another common uh, misconception within this debate is people say, are you teaching it? And then the fact that teaching it is a college class or it's a, a law school issue. And I, I agree with that. I think that you know, teaching it in the way that we teach math or something is, is a college course. It's, it's specifically in the, at least it used to be a law school course. But what we're talking about here when we say that it's in the schools that the, the tenets of or the CRT praxis is used um, as a lens through which to view all lesson plans and the world and, and you name it. So, so that's my thought about that. Uh, the other one was books, library books or book banning, right? Yes. Um, and you want to know about the debate there? Yeah, well, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, my thoughts. Well, the, my thoughts are that um, I don't believe that a, a book that is not on the public school library shelf is, uh, I don't believe that defines, that's not the definition of banning a book in my view. Um, for instance, you know, the, over the past year, or, I don't know, a year or two ago, some, you know, a number of the Dr. Seuss books, books got banned in my view, which is to say that throughout the um, country, you know, libraries and um, schools, publishers, eBay, Amazon, all, all these places remove those, these couple of books from, from circulation and from being able to be purchased. I think that's more my definition of what a, a banned book is. It's, it's very difficult to get. Um, I think when a, when a school like Francis Howell chooses the or decides that a book is not appropriate for for its students because it doesn't uh, doesn't comply with the policies or is, uh, of limited or to no academic value to its students or it's it runs counter to the to the curriculum that we teach and therefore we remove the book from our library so that um, you know so that we, we we follow our own policies I don't consider that banning a book so. There are very few books I would even take an issue with, but um, that's my my assessment of that. And ultimately, the the debate has come down to who who shall decide who removes the book. Is it a committee of twelve people, or um, or you know one or two librarians, or in, in my view, it should be decided by the board. So books come and go all the time, and, and the question is when it. When a book gets challenged, who should decide if it gets kept? And in my view, that that ultimate decision should lie with with um, the board members who are who are elected by the community. Mm-hmm. How do you feel COVID nineteen has affected the district, and what would you do about the district policies should you get elected? Well. Academically, I I know exactly how it affected us, uh, and each individual school, for that matter, um, which is um, 
by and large, poorly. So we, our, our, um, our, sco- our scores almost all went down um, relative, you know, between 2019 and 2021. Um, there are three schools in the whole district that improved their, their math scores relative to 2019 in 2021, and, and those are um, Holland Beck, Barnwell, and Becky David. Um, they, they all had a lot of room for improvement to begin with, but nonetheless, they still improved. Um, so that that's what happened during COVID as far as the academics go. Um, and also, by and large, almost all of our schools um, were often compared to the state. And um, it's reported that we are X, we're doing X as a district, we're doing X percent, uh, you know, whatever you pick your number, pick your subject, but we're doing better than the state average, which means we're, we are, um, we're a good district, right? Um, if you, if you look at the trends though, um, especially 2019 to 21, our performance is fragile. It's very sensitive. Uh, it's very sensitive to COVID we learned because while we are still above the state, we used to be much more above the state average, if that makes sense. Um, so we have, um, you know, whereas a school may have been 34% above the state average in 2019, now it's only 24% above the state average in 2021. So we're, we're going down relative to the state average. So, um, so that, that's what happened academically with COVID. Um, mentally, socially, emotionally, I, I don't, can't imagine it's been good. So, I don't think that's anything the district could. Um, yeah, I think overall the district did a um, as best they could with COVID, in my view. I think they've put their focus on instruction, uh, learning for those who, who wanted it early on, which was uh, which I was a champion of, and. Um, given the circumstances, given the alternatives, that's, I think that's the best we could do. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Well, no, I guess not. I could talk to you for hours about everything. <laughs> probably yeah. have another class to get to, and I, probably, I should probably get back to work, so. But no, that's it. Um, hopefully I, I gave you enough to. Oh, no, that was great. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah.